0: Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. great morning, and I'm so grateful you're here. Again, if you're new around Sugar Hill and just hanging out, uh, thank you for being here. My name's Chuck, and they let me be the pastor here for some unknown reason, and uh, it's, this is a great church filled with great people. We say it all the time, Sugar Hill Church is a church filled with a bunch of normal people that just happen to love God and so we're so glad you're here today our teaching time is on a guy by the name of Gideon it's found in the Old Testament in the book of Judges so if you have your, uh, iPhone, your smartphone or your tablet you can open up the Sugar Hill Church app hit resources and then the message notes and everything that uh, you need is in there all of the text everything, and then you can add your notes to it if you'd like. And so, thanks for doing that. If you're watching online today, thank you, guys. And uh, just follow along with us and enjoy the journey. We're going to talk today, though, about Gideon and how he went from a zero to a hero. I read this week that um, this week, little more than 80 million selfies were posted on social media. Okay, just, just think about that. 80 million selfies, and that's just in the United States. Okay, so a few weeks ago, we're walking through Times Square in New York and there's selfie sticks everywhere. I mean, it's like they're just banging you on the head because everybody's trying to get the right angle of this basically a fishing pole with an iPhone at the end of it. Right. And so everybody's doing that. Now, at the same time, the same study says it's not just that um, we're obsessed with selfies. It was interesting to see which age group posts the most selfies. So just say out loud, what age do you think is the group that posts the most selfies? Say it out loud. Okay, so, yeah, y'all are just, what, the, what I heard up here was, and so what I gathered from that was that you said teenagers, right? So students, that's not true. The vast majority of, of selfies are posted by people 55 years or older. Okay, let me just say to you, there's something so wrong with that, okay? Because when we look in the mirror, about 90% of us find something wrong with what we're looking at. So this morning, just looking across here, some of you did look in the mirror getting ready this morning. Clearly, some of you should have, but... I mean, seriously, when we look in the mirror, what happens is we find what's wrong. Like, you know, the the eyes have got black circles, you know, and there's wrinkles where they weren't there. And, like, if you're a dude, like, your ears are growing, like, four inches a year, right, you know? And, like, my dad, by the time my dad went to heaven, I mean, seriously, his ears were, like, on his shoulders. So... So when you see that, guys, just hang in there. It's like you, you get past 45, 55, something like that. I mean, your hair goes underground and starts coming out in other places. I mean, seriously, have you noticed that? Hey, guys, listen, it happens to us too. And so really, in the middle of all that, you're going to get that at about 2 o'clock and say, that was funny, all right? But we are obsessed with direct opposites. We post all these selfies, and yet when we look at ourselves in the mirror, most of us do not see ourselves as healthy people or contributing people to society, and I find that so fascinating, and here's what it comes down to. We never post a selfie in a bad place except for that guy, the ISIS dude that got smoked this past week, you know, but we always take a selfie someplace where we can brag about it right? So, you take a selfie at this cool restaurant, or like you're at the zoo, or you're at the aquarium, or whatever it is. That's, that's what you're doing, and you're kind of sharing with the world, this is where I'm at. Well, today's teaching on the guy by the name of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 gives us this picture of a guy that was going from zero to hero. Now, a little background might help. Gideon is, uh, he and his family are the lowest class of people in the nation of Israel at the time this was written. Gideon was the smallest and the youngest of his family. So his family had nothing and he had less. But they are living in captivity because there's a group called the Midianites who have taken over the nation of Israel. And so the Midianites, every time you see in the Old Testament this one thing, whatever ites are against the Israelites, these ites, they represent evil and Israel represents good. So we see this battle of evil and good all through the Bible. And what creates most of it is the Israelites, the good side, they're like riding a roller coaster. Sometimes they're like following what God wants them to do and all is cool. And then all of a sudden, man, they decide I can't do that anymore. I'm going to do that whole false worship thing. And so they build calves and idols and all this kind of stuff. And then they crash and burn. We're in a crash and burn state with Israel in this story, because the Midianites are mean, nasty, godless people, all right? So if you're with me, grab your Bibles and look at Judges chapter 6, and it says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. So for seven years, Gideon and his family, not only are they the lowest class of the, of the nation of Israel, but Gideon is the least of them. So what we have here is great adversity, We see it happening. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian and Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel. In verse 4 it says, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza, they left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. And these enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels to numbers count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So, I mean, these folks were like, when they came in, man, they, they took over. I mean, it was like a clear cut of people and everything. It was gone. Now, you could say, okay, Chuck, how does that, how does that help me in the context today? Well, hang in there. Right? So Israel, in verse 6, was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. So once again, it they, they states in the first verse, they're in a mess because they put themselves there. Sound familiar to any other country? They're in a mess because they put themselves there. And Now, when they're in a mess and they can't get out of captivity, that's when they return to God. And I find that that's true in my life and probably in yours. I have seasons when I, I, I really do. I do my best to try to follow the Lord and to let him lead me. And then I have seasons where I just blow it. I mean, I know I'm not the only one. There are seasons where I feel like, man, I just totally blew it. And here's the great thing. You cannot do anything to make God not love you. And so with Gideon, he's in this unbelievable time of adversity. And you look at this and say, man, they were reduced to starvation. Then in verse 11... The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiazar, and Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. So there he is in a winepress, down underground, threshing wheat, and he's trying to prepare. But he's also trying to keep the Midianites from taking everything he has. So this guy's in a miserable condition. He's having to do this unbelievable work under being treated and cared for as a slave and at the lowest layer of a slave. So really, Gideon's in a bad place. And so we see that the angel comes to him. And in verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now remember, lowest guy on the total pole of the lowest group and family of the country who is always treated as servants because now they are slaves of the Midianites. Are you getting the picture? This guy's got some bad stuff going in his life. Life is not what he imagined. It hasn't turned out the way he wanted. He doesn't have the right job. He doesn't have the right house. He doesn't drive the right car. This guy's in a mess, right? And so you look at this and say, well, where is this going to turn the story? Well, in verse thirteen, we hear Gideon as he responds back to the angel. He says, Sir Gideon, replied if the Lord is with us why has all this happened to us and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over the Midianites now this is typical for all of us like you you see a, a tornado you see a hurricane or you see a flood or a natural disaster or you see something that makes no sense in our life and what we want to do is where was God in all that where did God where where was God in all that and you know it's interesting in many ways we have zero answer for that and, and most, most preachers try to come up with something to tell you this is how and why God allowed that to happen. And anybody that's doing that, they're guessing. Because God's ways are higher than ours. We have no idea. But where was God in that? I see God when people like you go into those neighborhoods that have been destroyed and bring food and care and love. Where do I see God in, in that teenage mom from Lanier High School or, or some other school? I see, the, I see that in, in you when you serve in lift ministry and you go care for these young moms and you teach them how to do this. I see it when we when you go to Cuba and we share. We go to Haiti and feed. I mean, I see it all the time. That's where God is. It's in people like you where God uses you to come in and serve. And Gideon's asking the right question. Man, what is the deal here? So in verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. Now, it's important to recognize that when God does this, he makes one huge statement. He says, Go with the strength you have. I mean, this isn't a Rocky Balboa story where he gets to run up and down the stairs in those ridiculously gray sweats, you know, and pump his fist and go beat Apollo Creed. It doesn't work that way. I mean, this is a guy where literally God says, okay, I, re- I realize you're a runt. I realize you don't have that strength. But you take what you have, and I'm going to use that. And, oh, by the way, we're going to rescue Israel. All right? Now, you say, well, Chuck, I, I thought Gideon would be some big, tough dude. I mean, like, if this is a guy who could take on anything. He was a runt. But God says, take what you've got, and I'm going to do something extraordinary with it. And he says, I am sending you. So in verse 15, this is two words that we use a lot. But Lord, I mean, come on, God, really? Look at me. I'm I'm a nobody. I I can't do that. I just, I'm I'm an accountant. I'm a realtor. I'm a teacher. I'm I'm a student. You can't use me. And God, just like he does with Gideon, says, come on. I want to use you. We want to change the world. And so in verse 15, when he says, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe, and I'm the least in my entire family. I'm nothing, God. You can't use me. I'm not prepared. I'm not equipped. I'm not, I'm not big. I'm not bad. I'm not, I'm not tough. I'm not, even, I'm not even educated. What are you going to do with me? And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And then if you skip down to the 7th chapter in verse 2, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. Therefore, and remember, every time you read a therefore in the Bible, what do you do? You stop and ask, What's that therefore Therefore, Right? That therefore is therefore this statement. It says, Tell the people, Whoever is timid or afraid, they can leave and go home. So he's got 32,000 dudes. And God says, okay, 32,000, and I want to make the odds better for you to win. But they're going to fight an army. If you read another chapter or two past this, the army of the Midianites are 135,000 strong. So he starts with 32,000, and God says, okay, those odds aren't good. So anybody that's afraid, you tell them they can go home. So Gideon does what God says, and he stands up, he says to his 30, 32,000 warriors, he said, now, if any of you boys are freaked out, and you're just weird about this, and you, you don't feel like we're going to win, and you're just worried, you're just scared, you can go home, and 22,000 leave him. That is not cool. And, and God looks at the 10,000 and says, man, these odds still aren't right. So look, look what happens now. So so. But the Lord told Gideon, there's still too many, bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. And when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands in one side. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. Now, Okay, do you get the picture? So 10,000 dudes, and he takes them to this basically a river of fresh water, and he says, okay, you guys go have a drink. So they head out to go get a drink. 300 of them cup the water with their hands and drink it from their hands. All the rest of them, 9,700 of them, put their face in the water to start drinking. Okay, to me, that is just so stupid. I mean, why would you do that? It's going to get in your nose. It's going to burn. I can't swallow well. I can't breathe. It makes no sense to me, whatever. This is one of those passages when you read in the Bible and say, come on, God, really? This is just too weird. And, and it's interesting, though, if we see the Bible in the recognition of how the stream of human consciousness grows in our life, at that time, that would have been a norm, right? It was a, it was a typical way to do things. Now, we would look at it today and say, how silly, just pour a glass of water. Well, it, that's not the way it was, And so people in that time would look at this and say, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So now he's down to 300 dudes, 300 guys. Now he gets the 300 guys, and he says, God says, now we got the odds right. Our 300 are going to kill the 135,000 Midianites. And if you're one of those 300, listen to me. You are thinking to yourself, Gideon, you have been smoking the hymnal, dude. This is not cool right? This is, I don't know what you're on, but I mean, you've dropped an acid or something, but something's wrong. But Gideon brings the boys around, and he says in verse 7, the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home, but he kept the 300 men with him. Now, in this teaching today, here's what he does with the 300. He takes those and puts them into three groups of 100 apiece. He gives all of them a torch, a jug, and a horn. And he says, leave your swords, leave your spears, and leave your shields here. We're going down into the valley where the Midianites are at, and we're going to break into 300. When I say go, you break the jug, shine the torch, and blow the horn. Okay, now you know he's stoned, right? I mean, this, you know, I mean, he's looking for munchies at this point, all right? And so in the middle of all that, these guys are thinking, well, it's been nice knowing you, dude. It's over, all right? So. Apparently, Gideon, like we would be, would be thinking, God, this makes zero sense. What are you doing? So God looks at Gideon. He says, so if you're still afraid, take your servant, go down to the valley, and I'm going to show you you're going to win again. So sure enough, he must have been afraid. So he takes Pura, his servant. They go down. Two Midianites walk out of the tent. One Midianite looks at the other and says, man, you couldn't sleep either. Nope. Why? I had a nightmare. Okay. The nightmare was that there's a loaf of barley bread on top of that hill over there, and it's going to roll down in the morning. And it's going to crash and kill us okay seriously where, where else can you get a story like that right i mean so one guy says oh that could only mean one thing uh, david i mean uh, gideon is coming down here with the israelites and they're going to clean house we are scared to death so he looks at his servant and gideon says dude we got this so he goes back split up into hundred torch jug horn Break up the three thunder. he says, go. They break the jug, flash the torch, blow the horn, and over the next few hours, 135 Midianites die, and nobody in the 300 died. And you see this victory. Now, you could say, well, Chuck, that's all good and fine, but I'm kind of like Gideon. I heard the stories of years gone by. I need that story to happen in my life now. So how does that happen? Well, remember, when you understand the context of then, you can put it in context now. So what God did was he found somebody who was... Nobody would have expected it would have been a hero. He, was, he picked somebody who was nobody knew that that was in them. And God said, come on, I'm going to use you with your present strength. You don't need anything more. Everything I've, I've given you, you're equipped for that. And the message to you today through this same story is this. Whatever strength that you walked into this room with, God can use to do extraordinary things. But you've got to trust him in that. You see, what happened was Gideon had to take a time in which he was willing to appreciate the adversity going on in his life. I'm firmly convinced our life, we live from one crisis to another. If you're a parent, I promise you, you live from one crisis to another. And how we deal with the next crisis is greatly dependent on how we deal with this one. If you're married, you're going to have a crisis in your marriage. If you have children, you're going to have a crisis in children. If you run a business, you're going to have a crisis. We see that all the time. I mean, just in the last few weekends between weddings and funerals and the other things I'm a part of, you see crisis, you see joy, you see crisis, you see joy, and it's just a never-ending circle. And what happens is if we would learn to embrace the fact that literally we're going to have these times in which adversity takes over, we can grasp that adversity is the training ground for God's glory. See, now that's tweetable. I mean, if you're at home, you need to go ahead and tweet that one. When we're going through adversity, what happens is we're in the training ground for God to get glory. If you're in the middle of a trial, you're in the middle of a struggle right now, you're in the middle of something that is exhausting you and wearing you out, this is a sign that God wants to use you in some way. When Jenny and I were were blending families, it was brutal. I mean, absolutely brutal. Six daughters, four teenagers among them, all of them drove. All right. Seriously, the wars we had over things like Uh, hair curler things over things like who wears my sports bra i mean stuff like you can't wear that dress i bought it with my own money how come you parked there i need to get out i mean all those things sound small but they became world wars three four five six and seven right i mean we went through a season where literally we would look in the mirror and think dear god you've got to start building character in somebody than other than us i mean are you with me you ever been there I mean, I really, we were having dinner with friends last night. We're talking about what it is just to, what marriage looks like and what it looks like with children. And it's just an amazing journey. This is not for the faint of heart. And we know what it is to experience adversity like you do. But you know, here's what's interesting. When you embrace it with the realization that God's using it to prepare you for something extraordinary, that's pretty cool. But if you don't embrace it, if you don't grab it and appreciate it, you're gonna miss the fact that it's there that God wants to do his greatest work in you, through you, and for you. And he's called you to go through it. And you say, well, Chuck, how come it just, can't it be easy? We're just like the Israelites. If it was easy, we'd take the the glory. You see, every time the Israelites had it made, you know what they would say? Booyah. Got this, right? And then when they're in a mess, what they say, okay, God, we need you. They're just like we are. We're no different than the people of Israel. When we think life's going great, we give God no credit, we take it all. And then when everything's messed up, when you say, Where's God in that? And he says, But I want you to be with me. I want you to appreciate the fact that in this adversity, I can do something great. You know what the thing he does to make it great? He he says, I want you to appreciate the adversity, but I want you to accept your new identity. What God did, He came to a guy that was hiding. And he, was, he felt that he was the least of the least. He was no good for anything. And God came and said to him, you, my friend, you are going to be a mighty warrior. As a matter of fact, bingo, you are a mighty warrior. Accept that identity. And what did he do? The same thing we would. Oh, come on, God, me? I was like, man, I'll, I just sell insurance for a living. You're killing me, God. I, that's not, I'm, I'm not a mighty warrior. God, listen, I'm a housewife. I'm not a mighty warrior. I mean, I sell cars. I'm not a mighty warrior. I mean, I, I help lead a church. I, I, you're not a mighty warrior. I mean, I can't do that. God, you do that kind of stuff. But God chooses to give us an identity and says, I want you to do it. I want you to win. I want you to go conquer. I want you to go kill it. You see, our God is for us. Accept that identity. He is for us. In in chapter 6, verse 15, it says, My clan is the weakest of all the clans in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. He says, I can't do that. But you see, by God, when he declares who and what we are by his power, what he's saying is you can do this. I'm in your corner. Walk with me. Victory is right around the corner. You've got this. I remember when, uh, when Sam was playing volleyball in high school, and um, you, you're watching girls volleyball. Let me just stop and say, this is what you do when you die without Jesus. You go and watch. It, it's brutal on you, right? And, and so I, we, I have watched so many volleyball games now, it, it really is, I, it, I just glaze over. And I'll never forget this one day, Samantha's team was losing like 20 to 4, right? You played at 25, she's like, she's doing 20 to 4. And I'll never forget, across this gym, all of, all of us are sitting there like, we're getting killed. This is just, you know, come on, let's end the misery, right? And I hear Samantha's voice say, come on, ladies, we got this. Nobody else thought that. Everybody else looked at Samantha and said, are you on crack? Are you kidding me? You, we got this? We got nothing. You know what was interesting, though? Man, they started coming back. because they, they just need somebody to say, you can do it. I don't know about you, but I have times in my life where you know what I need? I need the Spirit of God to pat me on the back and say, come on, man, you can do this. Walk with me. You can do this. If there's anything, I'd give you this word. If you choose to follow God, he's saying to come on, man, do this. Let's go. Claim that identity. And when you claim that identity, I want to ask you to remember Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Listen, you know what God says? Tomorrow can be better. Tomorrow can be greater. I, I, I want you to accept adversity is part of the journey. Come on, let me carry you through that. I want you to accept this new identity. You're my kid. Come on. When we choose Christ like those children did, you know what he said? Give me a new identity. I want to be your kid. I want to be a warrior. I want to win. I want to go out there and kill it. And that's what Gideon did. And you know what he, how he did it? He accepted the authority God gave him. He didn't claim credit. He didn't say it was my brilliant strategic mind. You know what he said? I was a puny runt, and God came along, and he gave me a new identity. I accepted the fact that we are in the middle of adversity, but I'm going to claim the authority that he gives me as his child, and I'm going to go kill it, and we're going to walk with him, and tomorrow we are getting this done. Listen to me, church, walk out of here today and go to wherever you go. You go to work, you're taking care of kids, whatever it is got going on tomorrow. Walk out of your house with a certainty. God's on my side. He's in my corner. He's pulling for me. He's prodding me to win. God did not create in you a spirit of fear. He created you the ability to follow and obey him that you might see victory that is amazing in your life, and then you could give him credit for it. Gideon began as a coward he started as zero and he followed God's plan for it through adversity through identity through authority and he became the hero and you know what God does he does the same for you too you see here here's where we get hung up we have adversity in our life we have struggles and problems and we just think where's God in the middle of that he's right in the middle of you wanting to come to him and say God I need you and, and I, whatever's going on i, I want to learn from it i want to be used by you i mean jenny and i have the opportunity to meet with families and blended families a bunch sitting down at starbucks we didn't ask for that but that's a ministry god gave us because he used that adversity and he said listen i have given you out you're my kids come on rise up out of this let me carry you i want to give you the authority to act act the way that Christ would have you act I want want you to lean on me today you get that choice you you choose Christ you choose to believe he died on the cross and his blood was shed that you might have life eternal and in the middle of that you say "I, I want to accept that identity I want to be God's kid and I want to claim his authority and I want my tomorrow to be better I want my marriage to be better I want the relationship with my children to be better I want my job to be better I want my finances to be better And God says, come on, you're a mighty warrior. Come walk with me, and you get to pick. So today, I urge you, don't walk out of here believing it can't be done. You could be down in a wine press, thrashing wheat, thinking I could do it. I I could never get there. And God's trying to get your attention to say, hey, I'm in your corner. I'm pulling for you. I love you. You can't make me not love you. I've got a plan for you. Come walk with me. Come learn these unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. Come, come experience the joy and the peace that comes in following Christ. And God says, come on, let's do this. Be a mighty warrior. Step up. Let's win. And that's what He's called us to. But it's your choice. Let's pray. God, today we we walk out of here with the certainty that you hear us and you answer us. And that somehow, some way, God, you you've looked at us and said, you you aren't nothing. You're a big deal to God. Lord, thank you that you look on us and say, man, that's my kids. I want them to have the best. I want them to experience the best. I want them to learn from their mistakes. I want them to grow as mighty men, as mighty women. I want them to become warriors. I want them to accept their new identity in Christ. I want them, when they see an adversity, not to try to go around it, but to let him carry you through it. So, Lord, We accept and claim the authority you gave us that we could be the the children of the king, the children of our creator, that the divine came and said, I pick you. So God, in every woman, every man, every student, every child's life that's watching online or somebody that's in this room, God, would we be willing to say, all right, we're going to stop trying it our way. We're going to follow you. We're going to let you create in us this adversity that we can have victory over. We're going to accept a new identity that you're going to give us this identity as a mighty warrior as a child of the king and god we're going to claim that authority in the name of jesus because that's the only thing we offer good to this world is you so lord for the folks that are in here today that need to cry out and call on the name of the lord and say i need jesus take over my life give them the strength to do that for folks that haven't lived like it for years but know that you're calling to give them the strength and discernment to know that and for the folks in here today that just needed encouragement, God, would you would you just speak into their, into their heart right now and let them know you, you are for them, that you love them, that you have a plan for them, that they might experience joy and freedom and fulfillment and contentment. And in the name of Jesus, we ask you to do all these things. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.